Greetings, greetings. Welcome, welcome again to another brand new episode of Out the Box Talks. This is episode 104 of season four. I'm so excited to be back for another show. I want to give special thanks to all of the folks that have been checking out the new show so far. You know, as you recognize, I started this season a little bit late, but I'm back and running and I'm so excited for the guests that I have on the show today. You know, um, this is a special show because for anyone out there that has been following Out the Box, particularly Out the Box TV, you know, I've been doing this for about 13 years. And you know that when it comes to Out the Box, when we started out, as, especially when you look at the first five years of doing interviews, and shout out to my co-host A-Level, um, we did interviews with hip-hop artists, but we also did interviews with producers as well as vocalists and singers and you know I have to say I've gotten a bit away from that in in regards to the interviews I've been focusing a lot on a lot of the independent creative and conscious hip-hop artists but if you know what we do without the box we represent and try to showcase talent throughout the board right so from MCs to producers to singers songwriters and even jazz artists so Today's show is special because it is part of a relaunch in a way of me bringing back my interviews with a lot of dope and talented soul and vocalist artists. And the guest I have today is someone I'm really excited to um, have this conversation with and, 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 and kind of be launching this new interview series. But you know, and if you've checked out the website, you know, my newly relaunched outtheboxmedia.com music blog, for the past few months, I've been doing these best of lists at the end of each month where I'm highlighting best soul and, um, you know, vocalist albums and EPs that come out every month. So, yeah, it just makes sense for me to do this. I've never stopped enjoying you know, sharing uh, music from soul artists, especially new artists out there that people might not know about, you know. So, yeah, man, it's just a pleasure to be able to do a show like this. And I'm looking to do this every fourth Friday of the month. So every fourth Friday of the month, look for a new feature with a soul vocalist or songwriter on the platform. Before I actually bring in my guest for today, I do want to shout some things out related to Out the Box. As you know, we have the website, outtheboxmedia.com, where you get, you know, updates on a daily basis to brand new creative conscious hip-hop, as well as quality soul and even new jazz music as well. Also, if you have been a fan of the platform and you like what you see with these interviews, we do have a Patreon page where you can get access to exclusive interview clips um, and interviews that are not available to the general public. So, you know, this is for the members that go above and beyond to support what I do with this platform. And there's at, there's at least 40 exclusive interviews on Patreon right now that has never been heard before unless you're a Patreon member. So you can become a supporter by going to the link. I put it on the screen, but it'll also be in the description of this video. If you're listening on the audio podcast, it'll be in the description there as well. Okay. As well, if you would like to donate to the platform, we have our cash app, hashtag OutTheBoxRep, and PayPal, paypal.me slash OutTheBoxMedia. Okay. And last but not least, we have our merch store. So if you like what we do and you want to go the extra mile in supporting us by rocking some of the Out The Box merch, you can get a shirt like this, the Out The Box Media shirt or the snapback hat for Out The Box TV, as well as um, some other merch on the on the store. Uh, we have some coffee mugs up there as well, and some other clothing and sweaters and hoodies and stuff like that. So, you know, whichever way you feel you want to support, I appreciate, you know, um, the angle that you choose. But I just wanted to shout that out. All right, and remember, again, 
the website, outtheboxmedia.com. All right, so I want to talk about my guest today. Uh, she is an artist hailing from the city of Toronto, Canada. Uh, shout out to my brother S, who is from, uh, he's from Mississauga, Ontario. And I know like Toronto is kind of close by or somewhere in the proximity. So, um, you know, I've, I'm always delighted to be able to connect with artists in, in that area. Um, and uh, she put out a new album, actually her debut project on April 8th. Uh, I found out about it in February and I was like the first, I feel it was like the first track I listened to, I was just already intrigued. And I was like, you know how you put albums on your calendar? I'm like, okay, April 8th. Okay, I'm looking for that. I'm gonna be waiting for that one. So um, that that's what this, uh, her music did for me. Um, and I was so excited that when it was released to be able to get it on Bandcamp, which it is exclusively on Bandcamp for now. Uh, and she also brought a couple singles from that project that was on the digital streaming platforms. In 2020 of December, she put out a song called uh, An Exercise in Now, which is also on Bandcamp. So, um, you know, she's been doing her thing on the music scene for a little moment now. But um, this debut project of hers, Edible Flowers, is such a refreshing sound in terms of music and I really just wanted to bring her on to talk about the project but also talk about her music experience so far and you know just so we can get a glimpse of her journey and and, and you know what she went through to put together this awesome album so without further ado I want to welcome to our out the box talks listening and viewing audience my sister, hailing from Toronto, Canada, the songstress, the vocalist, the talent, the awesomeness herself. Welcome to Out the Box Talks, Kyla Charter. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It is such a pleasure having you. You know, how are you? How's things going on in your world in Toronto at this stage? Things are good. Things are good. I mean, you know, COVID is always um, among us, but all things considered. Indeed, it's sunny indeed. outside. The snow is gone for now. It's good. Awesome. Yes, yes. Spring is here. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And I know I, was, I gave a long-winded intro, but... You were deserving of it uh, because it was a special show as well. And just like I said, the album definitely resonated with me in a very wonderful way. So, um, yeah, big ups to you. So I want to talk about this project. But before we even jump into Edible Flowers, let's talk a little bit about your history as an artist. Like what where did your inspiration to sing all begin? My inspirations, I mean, my family is so musical. My grandfather was a guitar player. He grew up in Guyana and um, my grandparents met in uh, England and then they came to Canada and all of my mom and my aunties all sing. And so whenever we would get together um, and even still, uh, it was always four part harmonies singing at every you know, Christmas, New Year's, anytime we ever got together. So it's always been, it's always been around for me. Wow. So it's, it's a family thing. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Did, um, did your, uh, experience and, you know, journey with singing have any, um, background in church or any like, um, formal vocal singing as well outside of just being around family? Yeah, I mean, church was not, um, I mean, we would go to church with my grandma mm -hmm. on like special occasions, but it was mostly just the family singing, like truly like probably once every two months we would get together and sing like the songbook of the family. Um, but no, I didn't have any formal training until I went to Humber College, which is like Canada's version of Berkeley kind of for the jazz and contemporary music program. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then the rest is history, I guess. How much of that experience going to college um, would you say has helped to develop your talents to what it is today? 
Oh, so much of it, so much of it. It was hugely important. I had no idea. I didn't even really know what a scale was, what extensions were on a chord. Mm. I had like very little understanding of um, the history of the people who had come before me. So it was huge. And meeting people in a place like that where there's so much talent and so much music, it was indispensable. Like there's obviously problems with it as well, but. <laughs> right, right. Wow. How, how long in terms of the, the duration of time did it take for you to get to that place? That place being going to music school? No, no, no. Um, developing your your vocal oh. talents to where it is now. Like, <sighs> that's. It. I mean, I'm always learning. I'm always growing. Sure. So, I feel like I feel like there is no kind of uh, pinnacle of things. Sure. I hear I'm inspired by people all the time who can do things that I could not even imagine doing, and I'm like, that is that's so incredible. So I'm always striving to be better. Awesome. Awesome. That. So the album is entitled Edible Flowers. Mm -hmm. And obviously when you look at the cover, you see the flowers, right? You see, <laughs> you know, um, there's flowers. Even you wear, sometimes you, I see you wear the flower crown, which we'll mm -hmm. talk about as well in a little bit. Uh, but talk to me about the album name, Edible Flowers. Uh, what was the significance with the title? And, and why did you choose to title that for the debut project? That's a really good question. I think that it stemmed from a few things. Um, I have a, a deep, like, intrinsic love of plants and flowers and, and greenery. Mm -hmm. um, these are two of, like, literally 35 plants in this room right now. Um, I, I just have always been called to nature in the way that I'm also called to music. And I think that the idea of edible flowers being, like, small kind of vignettes that you you can like take into yourself and and really like be in and amongst you mm. um was kind of what i was hoping for people to get from the music so edible flowers felt like the right an apt title interesting interesting yeah um when you when i'm listening to the music i can't say that i got that right off the bat but it's interesting mm. that that like, like you, you'll make me now go back and listen to it <laughs> with that thought in mind, right? <laughs> right. Um, so talk to me about the cover art on the album. Uh, what's going on as far as the depiction? Like, what did you want to convey with that? Well, to be perfectly honest, I've, I've been in the music game for like a long time now. Right. Um, doing backups and playing guitar for people. I've, I've kind of been in the industry and around people who have been very successful at it. And um, I've always been aware of like being a woman and how women are portrayed and what we, what are, is expected of us. And I wanted the music to stand apart from me as I am in my body and, you know, being sexualized, not having anything to do with it, being mm. like, you know, my politics having very little to do with it. I wanted it to stand on its own. And uh, I asked this incredible um, painter to listen to the album and come up with something that they felt was appropriate. And that was that. Wow. Now, is the person on the cover, is that you? Is that the depiction of you? Yeah. it made sense it made sense because i <laughs> there's an image i think it's on your band camp uh where i actually see you performing and you have the flowers on your head and i was like this has to be kyla but i always <laughs> want to ask you know <laughs> it's always dope when you can talk to an artist and translate an idea and it works out you know um, <laughs> well yeah For sure. yeah For Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk about the flower crown that you wear sometimes. I know you sometimes wear it when you perform. Like, mm -hmm. what does that crown symbolize for you? It it serves as a reminder for me of my, of to like ground myself and like the plants and being actually rooted in a place. Um, I often perform without shoes on for the same reason. I think that uh, it's so easy in this industry to be side- tracked by so many different things and having a sense of grounding and having like a reason to really check in with yourself and be like, what am I doing here? What is 
what is my actual purpose and what am I trying to convey? Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, a very heavy reminder. <laughs> Interesting, a grounding. Uh, talk to me about um, what made you choose to perform with, you know, without shoes and just the whole aesthetic, right? <laughs> like where, where did that inspiration come from? I mean, I'm definitely not the first to do it. Um, tons of incredible artists that I know uh, go shoeless. It just, it's literally like when you're on an elevated platform of any kind, mm -hmm. being able to feel the floor under you, for me at least, and I'm sure for a lot of people is like very important because it's just such a surreal experience to be like faced with thousands of people or hundreds of people or even any people, you know? So indeed, it's like indeed. a little token for yourself to be like, this is where I am. This is what I'm here to do. Yeah. That's, that's so in the moment and so centered. I, I, I could definitely dig that. Now, mm. how many, cause it, correct me if I'm wrong. This is your first project, right? Totally. So, yeah. How many years did it take for you to get to this place? Because I'm assuming you've performed a lot and you've been, like you said, you've been in music for a while. Like, yeah. um, talk to me about the journey to get to April 8th, 2022. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. It's been a very long time coming. Um, I was just so scared. I've been scared for years to put on my own project. I'm scared of criticism i was scared of you know people not getting it people getting it or thinking they get it for weird reasons i had like a it was a control issue i think it's like i had i wanted to be in control of how it was perceived and received and i just got to the point pandemic hit and i was like i need to just put out something <laughs> like i i've been called to be a musician my whole life mm. and to kind of be afraid to the point where i was like you know, hiding my stuff away from myself. It just wasn't okay anymore. So I did it. <laughs> yes, you did. I'm so glad you did. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So I, it just makes, makes me think, were there any other projects that you had started and scrapped or like, are, are there like, like unreleased <laughs> stuff that we haven't heard yet? Totally, you know, totally. Awesome, awesome. So that makes me excited. I don't know if it'll ever come out, but... Um, <laughs> Like with this maybe project, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just going to say maybe one day. Who knows? Who knows? Got it. Got it. But it's in the vault. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So a variety of your songs have this sense of vocalizing or slow scatting and humming happening with the background vocals, which I absolutely love. And I think makes your music so compelling. Thank Can you. you tell me, what led you to approach your singing in that way? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I think that I, because I had done so many iterations of trying to make an album of some sort, um, I really went into this with a spirit of experimentation. Mm. Um, I was just really interested in capturing a feeling as opposed to sticking to like a traditional song structure. Mm. And I'm in school, like I, you know, have taken classes on songwriting and I'm like very uh, well-versed in how to create a traditional song structure in a lot of styles, but I really wanted to strip away the layers of that and get to the core of what it was I was trying to say. Mm. And, um, and yeah, so I just kind of, a lot of those, are a single take and it would whatever came out came out and then I built layers around um the original take got it you said you were trying to get to the core of what you wanted to say like talk to me a little bit more about that what was the core what, what was the underlying message mm -hmm. I mean it's different for each song I feel mm -hmm. like each is a different kind of um either idea or theme it's generally for those who haven't heard it um each song is centered around a single line or a theme. And uh, it's like an exploration of that theme. And it was 2020 and I couldn't concentrate on a lot at all. I was so like anxious and filled with fear mm. for many different reasons. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just, I was trying to 
trying to really check in with myself in a way that I hadn't given myself space to um, before in my life. Uh, I had been on the road and just saying yes to stuff in a way that made it easy to not engage with what was actually going on for myself. Mm. And with the time and space, I was like, okay, Kyla, what are you doing? What do you want to do with your life? What is it that is important to you? What are you still holding on to that you need to let go of? All of it came up and um, I put them in these songs. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the themes of some of these songs in a little bit. Uh, but I want to talk about the production team that contributed yes. to this album, Safe Spaceship. Yes. And I just found out, I just like, you put me on to them because Amazing. There's, there's another artist that just, I'm escaping my name, but they, they've done production for other artists as well. But tell mm -hmm. me about how you and this team of awesome producers came together to collaborate on this project. Totally. Well, um, they're incredible. It's Scott McCannell, Chino Davila, and uh, Ben McDonald. And uh, they were all in a band called Yuka, which is like a, a funk band from Toronto that is since disbanded. But um, they also went to Humber. And so we were kind of in uh, similar kind of, uh, you know, groups of friends. And uh, I'd known Chino for a while. I'd known Ben for a while. I hadn't met Scott until like 2019, but I had a show at the Paradise Theater and Chino was playing for me. And uh, after the show, he was like, listen, me and a couple of friends are doing some production stuff. I think that like, you know, it would give you space to, to try some stuff out if you want to come through uh, and see what happens. Like you're totally welcome to. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> so uh, I went over and we just jammed and we kept jamming and uh, yeah, they turned into, they turned into songs. Dope, dope. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that. I think they did production on Tanika Charles's new album as well, yes. too. Yeah. Yes, yes. And an artist there. called Afros, who is amazing. Also, Claire Davis. Yeah. They do all of her stuff. It's, yeah, it's really beautiful. Listen, thank you for putting me on to them because their production is awesome. It's you so know? cool. It's so, so cool. cool. Uh, can you explain... Um, like, I know you just mentioned the members. It's like three main members. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell me, like, what their specific instrument contribu contributions were on this project? For sure. It's, uh, it's interesting because basically what happened for a lot of the songs is that I had, I was renting studio space. Like, a, there was, like, a, a park in Toronto. And I was on one side of the park in a studio. And their studio is on the other side of the park. Mm. So once a week I was going to... The studio I was in and like coming up with ideas guitar lines or just vocal stuff and then I would bring it to the guys on the other side of the park and we would like turn it into a thing and um and so Scott plays bass mm -hmm. and uh a little bit of guitar um Ben plays the keys and synth Chino is an extraordinary drummer and uh does percussion they also like I'll move around mm. within the within the space as well. So they're on everything. I think the bass is just like the most, maybe it's just the instrument that I'm mostly drawn to, but like anytime I hear like that bass, you know, the bass guitar on in, in vocal music, man, like it's, mm. it's so, it's so cool to hear. And I think that's one of the things that um, made this project stand out to me. Like it, there's so much like R&B and soul music that's out there. And like a lot of it after a certain amount of time, and it's like that with hip hop too. Like, you know, you, you just hear the same thing. Like, you know, you can't really, it's not it's so, like, you, you know, when something is refreshing, you're like, Oh wow, that sounds different. Even though it's rooted in a sound that you might've heard before, course, but yeah. it sounds different and it just sounds good. Like, and that's, that's what I got from this project. So, you know, so shout out to Safe Spaceship and also shout out to you because as as I understand, you also contributed guitar production and mixing on this album. Totally. Uh, what tracks do we hear the guitar from you on and what was that producer experience like for you overall collaborating with Safe Spaceship? Yeah, it's, I mean, in 
in music school, one of the your final projects is like to produce somebody else's project and also to have your own. Mm. And so I have had some experience with producing and I know what I want in a lot of ways. And so it was, it felt very natural to be mm-hmm. in there kind of like giving ideas and, and like uh, bouncing things off the walls, but they are incredible. They are such an incredible team to work with because it truly is like a safe spaceship. Like all ideas are welcome. You can try stuff out and not feel um, judged and it gets weird sometimes. And that's super cool. Like some of the, some of the tracks in the album are odd. I <laughs> completely like, I I will I will admit to that wholeheartedly. And um, yeah, it's fun. It's been really fun to work with them. But yeah, awesome. I played guitar on Fox to the Future. Um, I used to play when I played shows live. I played mainly guitar or all of my songs on guitar. And through the process of this album, I have like moved over to my loop pedal, which is what I uh, what I work on now. Awesome. How hands-on were you in the sequencing or the finalizing of this complete sound of this project? Um, pretty, pretty hands-on. <laughs> were, pretty hands-on. Were Scott you the one that was like, kind of like, okay, we got to go back and change this or like last minute, like, was it? Was Some it of like it. FE? It was, it's really interesting because Chino was like obsessive with the drums. Mm. He would go in for hours tweaking and changing things. And it was like, I am so grateful for all the work he put into that. Um, and Scott is like very meticulous about frequencies and um, and like getting good sounds. And uh, that was incredible. I was like very particular about vocals and the level of certain things and like the same like, you know, frequency spectrum to you know, um, highlight things or like take things away and and create a mood. So it was definitely like a fully realized uh, group effort. Dope, dope, dope. What what was the order and how the instruments were recorded for this album, including like your main vocals as well as your background vocals? Like, how did that order come about? Hmm. We a lot of it was jammed out in the room mm. in their studio space. So it would be like, I'd come up with a, or like we would, drums would be going, bass would be going. I'd have like a four bar idea mm-hmm. and they'd jam it out till something like really clicked and there was a spark. Mm. Um, and then generally it would be like, I don't know, I would lay down a vocal loop. So for doubts, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, it's the, that line was put in like over and over and over as a loop. And then, um, and then we added layers and there was like, we would put in, that's what happened. We put in, I think like, um, just like a general click, very generic drum track. Then I would do a vocal performance and then Chino would come in and like play to what I sang and like respond to the things that were in there and like have his own performance to it as well. And yeah, and then would add a whole bunch of beautiful layers. And yeah, it was, it was very cool and collaborative. Wow. So it seems like it was a, a lot of the magic was created on the fly, like just kind of paying attention to the moment and adjusting and really kind Absolutely. of going with the flavor. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you that, like, um, you know, how do you know? And th- th- this is not just with this project, but just in general, like, how do you know when you hit that mark or get to that point mm-hmm. where you say, that's it? That's what I was looking for to give this song its completeness satisfied now. Like, how do you get to that point? Like, how do you know when you hit that point? <laughs> it's a feeling for me, at least it's a, it's a gut feeling. And that's always what I'm chasing. Mm. Uh, it's so, it's so cool. It feels like very, almost like otherworldly sometimes to have, to have things just click into place from an idea that came from nowhere, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just a it's just a feeling. Makes sense. I mean, I think it translates in that way as the listener too, right? We we get the, so I get the feeling, yeah. Your music is the perfect example of vocal music that does not have to have a lot of words to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> the album gives out such a meaningful music experience without it being spelled out to you lyrically. 
Mm. How do you choose between how much or less words you want to sing out in a song? Mm. It's a good, thank you first. That's very, very sweet of you. I really appreciate that. Um, It's again, just a feeling it's, the way that I used to write a lot of songs was that I would have, I would either start with a melody that felt like something important, or I would have a lyric that felt like something important and I would build out from there. And for this project, because a lot of it was so in the moment and because it was so much of um, a kind of freer way of doing things, I would have a spark of something and uh, I wouldn't be forcing myself to like spell it out in that way kind right. of so as long as as long as the feeling was captured by either the chord progression or the melody or whatever lyric it was um then i was happy wonderful and you know i know you can do it it's like it's not like i think at all that you can't go for a song with a lot of lyrics right like i've seen you do it on your Instagram, you know, when you perform and stuff, you know, but it, it, it just, it just works, you know, like, and, and, and it makes me feel like as I'm listening to the song, I, I, like I'll listen to a whole song from you. And, and at the end of the song, I'm like, she probably might've said like three words, but it sounded <laughs> like you said a lot more than that. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. I think that's, it speaks to the feeling that you talk about, right? Like it's, it's translating in that way. Um, so let's talk about the, the, the song titles. Um, and we'll, we can go, we can go into them a little bit more in detail, but just talk to me about how you came up with these titles. Like walk me through the process of naming the songs. For sure. Um, generally it's, it's whatever the most important aspect of the song is. I'll, I'll make the title. Mm -hmm. um, doubts, obviously, got my doubts about you was a line, and that's the seed of the idea. Right. Um, hey Mama was a song about my mom, and it was about getting her attention and also getting my own attention in a specific space. And so that's, that's why I named that one. Mm -hmm. Back to the Future <laughs> was actually... Uh, that was a working title. That was uh, a Chino, a Chino working title that he put into the session, and it kind of just stuck. It just felt like the right thing. It was that was a song that was kind of um, uh, the base idea uh, that Scott and Chino had come up with um, was based off of kind of like a Sebastian Johann Sebastian Bach cello suite mm. idea. He does a lot of like. Um, eighth note lines and uh, really beautiful melodic things. And that's kind of like the basis of that song. So it felt like the right thing to keep his name in there. Nice. Um, yeah. What else is in there? Uh, breaking Dish. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to talk to you about that. So hold that yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's okay. um let's let's jump in. But that was a great response. I just wanted a general idea of like how you came arrived at naming the songs. Cool. Um so the project finishes with seven tracks, right? Um how did you come to seven tracks? Like was there more music you had to narrow to or was that just like what you set out for? Mm, there were there were a couple of songs that didn't make it. Okay. Um those were the strongest songs. Uh it felt like they were cohesive, but also stood all on their own. And so, uh, yeah, it just ended up, I think it was originally supposed to be an EP um, of like four songs or so, but uh, we just kept cranking them out. So <laughs> it became seven. Nice, nice. What was the, what was the most difficult track for you to record? Mm. Oh. It's a very good question. Some of them, a couple of them are quite hard. Okay, it um, could be more than one. Okay. Um, Quinn was hard. Quinn mm. was was quite hard. It's a song I wrote about my sister. Mm. Um, you can hear me crying on the track. Oh. <laughs> it's a very vulnerable moment, but it needed to happen. And uh, that was, I think that we cut, that was the last vocals that um, 
that were cut for the album because we had like come up with um, the bed track, the records that I had for a while for a different song and like we totally reimagined them, but I, I just couldn't figure out what it was I wanted to say. And uh, one day we were in the studio and Scott was like, here's a mic, I'm gonna go for a walk you be by yourself and whatever like comes out, comes out. And mm. that's what came out. Um, so Quinn was hard. Another name was also quite hard. Um, yeah, I can tell in terms of some of the subject matter that I'm getting. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's a project that I don't think you're going to get on first listen or even first <laughs> few listens, right? In terms of the subject matter, which is kind of, why I wanted to talk to you too, because I wanted you to kind of like talk a little bit more about it. Now, if you're comfortable, can you talk a little bit uh, about, you know, why that Quinn track was so special? I mean, other than it just being your sister, what's the emotion related to your sister with that? Totally. Um, my sister is my best friend. I love her to the moon and back. Um, we are like, we are two of six children. <laughs> mm. My dad got remarried. There's a whole bunch of kids around. Um, but she has always been my rock. And um, about 10 years ago, there was some some health stuff and we almost lost her. Mm. And I started writing a couple of lyrics then. Um, and then uh, once everything was cleared, I kind of couldn't go back to it. It just, it was too painful. It was kind of like an open wound that I didn't have to deal with at all. Um, but in 2020, uh, we were living together and because of some pandemic stuff and you know, the world changing and us changing as humans, um, I moved into my own apartment and it kind of brought up a whole bunch of stuff from that time. Um, and the idea of losing someone, what it means to, to say goodbye and the beauty that can come from it to make space for you know, new versions of ourselves. Um, and so it was kind of, it felt like I was kind of grieving our like younger selves in order mm. to really embrace like the people we are now. Mm. So, And ha has your sister, I'm pretty sure she's heard the song. Like what did she, yes, yeah. what did she have to <laughs> say about it? How, did she receive it the way you would have liked her to receive it? <laughs> she's a, she is a funny lady. Um, <laughs> I think she got it, but she was like, okay, Kyla. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a sister thing to say, right? right? <laughs> awesome, awesome. So the first track, Doubt, is undoubtedly one of my favorite tracks <laughs> on the album. It's the first song I heard. And um, you sing on the song repeatedly, I got my doubts about you. And it just sounds so right. good as you say it over and over. I was like, you guys might be thinking, like, who do I have doubts about? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> as you singing it, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, so can you talk to me about um, what inspired the main lyrics in that song? Um, and then if you don't mind sharing a little bit about the scenario that, like, you don't have to tell me the person that you had <laughs> doubts about. But, like, you know, I'm just curious to know, like, what inspired that those lyrics? Yeah. Totally. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like it, it cut the seed of it kind of started about a person, but it actually, by the time I recorded it, it was about myself mm, um, and all the ways that I was self-sabotaging and talking to like the little voice inside of me that was like, you know, you're not good enough. Why are you making an album? You don't need to be doing this. And being like, I have my doubts about you, little voice. Like, mm, no, <laughs> no more of this. So it was really like, it felt kind of like exercising like out that voice and being like, you're no longer welcome here. So. Wow, that's deep. Now, you know that, that cause I would have never thought it was you talking to yourself, which it makes it even more special now because the way you sing on it, it's like, like it comes across like mm. you talking about a person. Like, it's like, <laughs> I got my doubts about you totally, totally. and that's that's deep so it's like you're you're really confronting yourself so it's like yes. bringing out the best in yourself in a way is what i'm getting you know so that's totally. dope. that's dope wow trying to trying to wow 
So you spoke about this song earlier, and I have to say this is probably my favorite song on the album, Hey Mama. Ah, this I'm is so hands glad. down like my favorite. Um, I I mean it. Yeah, I think this will be it. I don't I don't think there's another record that like all the tracks are dope, but like this one, this is the one that hits. Um, the mm. emotion on the on the song translates extremely strongly music wise. How? Would you describe the experience recording this record along with the emotion that came with it? It was, um, it was heavy and it was beautiful. Um, this was also actually a, a song that I, the idea started like years and years ago um, because I was mad at my mama and um it was kind of me processing what that meant um, now for myself. And like, we are, I love my mom. I've talked to her all the time. It's like, there's nothing but love there. But I think that, um, I was exploring the idea that the things that I am dealing with in myself are a reflection of who she is. Mm. And for better and for worse. I think that's what what the seed of the song really was. And that um, one cannot exist without the other. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to, to explore with it. Deep, deep. Can you clarify what you're actually saying in the lyrics? Because I feel like I, I hear exactly what you're saying, but I, I just want to make sure. Like you say, I, it sounds like you're saying, I'm not perfect. I get that from you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, wow, totally. Break that down for me for sure. Um, I mean, at the time when I wrote that lyric way back in like I don't know 2014, probably mm -hmm. I was upset because I had been going through like some not great relationships and realizing the patterns of the things that I was coming up against and how it had to do with like issues that I hadn't worked out with my mom mm. because of the person that she is. And I was like, my imperfections come from the person that you are. But now it really also is the flip side of that coin. It's the fact that my favorite parts of myself are the things that I got from her. Mm. And they're still my imperfections. Like I am an imperfect person, but the best parts of me also come from her. So that's dope. I like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. If you had to go with two things, what would you say are the two best things you've learned from observing and interacting with your mom? Ooh, ooh. Those are fantastic questions. Um, the two best things I've learned from observing and interacting with my mom. I think... I think that one of the things that I've learned is how strong she is in a way that I was never really aware of as a kid. Mm. The things that she had to face that I, she just really truly kept out of like our purview. Um, she was like dealing with a lot and she did a phenomenal job uh, you know, with what she had to work with. And I'm so grateful for that. And so that's definitely a lesson that I've learned. Um, I think from observing her, that like, you know, for better or for worse, no matter how I interpret the things that have gone on in my life, all that she's ever tried to do is her best for me and my sister. So, you know? Deep, deep. I like it. <laughs> so, I I was going to ask you about Bach to the Future, but you, you already explained that. Mm. Uh, talk to me about the fourth track, Breaking Dishes, because that's another track that <laughs> doesn't have a lot of lyrics, but I feel like there's something going on, even with the little lyrics that I hear. <laughs> Talk to me about the... Yeah. You know, yeah. 
the subject matter. Here. Um. Okay. Well, breaking dishes. <laughs> it was an experimentation in the true sense. We had like it was um like uh, a track that the guys had done totally on their own that they sent to me. Um, and we're like, do you want to do something with this? And I was like, this is amazing. Of course I do. Uh, so I went to that little studio that I had been renting and I smoked a little bit and breaking dishes kind of just came out in kind of the way that you hear a lot of people talk about, I don't know, the famous story of like the Beatles having the yellow submarine being like the, the in place line that they were going to, you know, uh, replaced with something else, but never did. Mm. It was very much that it was supposed to be uh, kind of a placeholder for something else that I would go in and like change and do again. Okay. <laughs> but I played it for the guys and they were like, this is amazing. You should just keep it. So, so it ended up on the album. <laughs> How'd you come up with the words breaking dishes though? <laughs> <laughs> I think I like ordered takeout and something fell on the floor and I was like, she's out here breaking dishes. <laughs> but you know, what's so interesting is how does it go from that moment of takeout to now in the studio, you know? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's such a weird song. And part of me was like, I can't believe I put that into the world, but it was important to have a balance of like really heavy stuff like Hey Mama and like Quinn and you know, another name balanced with some fun and like Sean Mendez, you know? <laughs> I could dig it, I could dig it. You're amazing at vocalizing and singing in compliment to background vocals. How did you become so good at that? <laughs> um, years of practice, really being, do you know what? I think the thing that is the most important is being a good listener. Mm. I think that in order to be a good singer and a good um, support, and like harmonizing uh, individual, you have to be able to listen to other people and adjust, you know? It's a balance, it's like a, a dance that you do. That's interesting, listening. I like mm -hmm. that, yeah. Um, I mean, this is probably obvious, but um, I just wanted to ask just to, for clarity, like pretty much all of the background vocals that we hear are yours, right, on the, on the album, right? Every single one, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's dope. Um, so <laughs> the track After Party, the After Party, sounds very reminiscent of a classic D'Angelo record. I don't know, for whatever reason, I hear D'Angelo. I hear um, D'Angelo on that track. But I'm curious to know, like, like, who are some of your, like, biggest singer inspirations? Absolutely. My like, I have since the time I was, I think nine years old, my trifecta has been Lauren Hill, Erica Badu and D'Angelo. That's like, those are just the Holy Trinity for me. So I'm so flattered that you, <laughs> that you got D'Angelo from that. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I kind of just go with what I hear and I just like, that's the first thing I heard, but definitely I hear the soul Aquarian, the, you know, the Neo soul yeah. that, that I can hear that sound. And maybe that's what I'm drawn to. And I don't hear a mm. lot of music like that nowadays. Like Bilal is like my favorite male vocalist. Amazing. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and of course, you know, Erica and D'Angelo. Yeah. So, wow, that's dope. That's dope. So that's good to know the trio. So you said Erica, <laughs> D'Angelo and Lauren Hill. Awesome. 100%. Bilal is amazing though. Yeah, his, yeah. He did a tiny desk. He like was featured on one that uh, Questlove and the Roots did. Right. It Ain't Fair. Yeah. Every time, every time I watch that, I cry. It is so beautiful. Yeah. I, I mean, have you got a chance? I'm, you've seen him perform live, right? Have you? Not in person, no. Oh my goodness. I actually interviewed him on Out the Box years ago. Um, Amazing. I think I interviewed him twice. And the first time I interviewed him, it was actually at a, a CMJ show. Yeah, this was like, you know, CMJ, they used to do that. Um, I don't think they do it as much before, but like, it's when all the college, it's like a college week for like college radio and promotion mm. and stuff. Um, a lot of the independent labels were involved in that. Um, and I mean, yeah, man, when you see Palau perform live, it's an experience. Like he just loses it. Like he just totally. really goes in, man. Like, yeah, yeah. so it's awesome. Awesome. Dope, dope, it's dope. Incredible. 
So the track, another name, um, the final track on the project. Um, it's long. It's a pretty long track, but um, uh, talk to me about the the message that you wanted to convey with that song because I feel like there's some some heavy stuff happening in the song and some deep, you know, um, meaning there. Absolutely. I was, it was in the late summer of 2020. Um, and I was, you know, deep in the Instagram of it all. Mm. And uh, the protests were happening and it was all happening. Um, but I felt like, I don't know, I felt like a twinge of something is like not right in terms of the way that people are engaging with this stuff. Mm. Um, and it was so heavy and painful. When I say people, I specifically mean white people trying to do their best. Um, and uh, I just had to sit down and, I don't know, I wanna say like lament the fact that this is not new mm. for us mm. and um there's no point in acting like it's new and if we engage in the way that we have been engaging like you know society has been engaging then nothing is going to change mm. like it takes more than posting it takes more than you know showing up for one day of a summer you know it's like this is this is deep and true work and there's so much pain and so much history. And um, yeah, if we do not change, we are doomed to repeat ourselves was mm. kind of the, the mm. message. Yeah. I, I could definitely um, hear like the, the depth of, of the record, man. So going back to that last track, um, another name, it, 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 it finishes at seven twenty in length um clearly again the longest song on the album but it ends pretty abruptly <laughs> at the 720 mark was that something that was intentional or or not like why did it end up that way um well for a couple of reasons one is that i had that song was not a song that uh i was considering putting on the album at all it was mm. just something that i needed to get out of myself mm. Um, and I happened to record it. It was, it's literally like an iPhone recording that okay. has been like mixed and mastered. Um, so there was no clear ending. Uh, part of it was that it felt, um, it felt appropriate in terms of how jarring living life in a black body can be. Mm. Um, it felt kind of uh, allegorical for the pain that comes up really quick. Um, and you know, it just, uh, it just made the most sense. It's like, I didn't want a soft kind of like smooth outro. This is not a soft subject. This is like a lot of institutional pain that is being kind of, uh, put to the forefront. So. Wow. Um, did you know that that was going to be the last track? No, I, it took a lot to even know it was going to be on the album, really. Mm. It was like. Uh... Like in, in terms of the sequencing, like mm -hmm. it makes sense that with it, one being such a long track and also it cutting off like that for it to be the final placed. Like when I say in terms of the order, not the for final sure. recorded track, but the order, the final place track. Mm hmm. It did. It feels very much like a period. Like yeah. that is, this is like the end. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it definitely was. It felt like the only place for it to be. Yeah. I'm. The music listener in me, uh, is appreciative that that track ended up being the longest track because how it ends so abruptly. I'm like, well, Hey, at least it didn't ab end abruptly in two minutes, you know, <laughs> and like, <laughs> or in, in like less than a minute. Like it, it, sure. it there was at least a buildup, <laughs> like a For longer sure. time, you know, but I'm glad that you, um, you spoke on that. Cause, um, that's, that's definitely significant and, uh, and meaningful. And, and it makes sense, uh, the mm -hmm. way that you explained it. 
you know what would you say has been the most fulfilling thing about recording edible flowers i think the most fulfilling thing honestly is talking to people like you about it like <laughs> being able to because i live i have been singing for like a bunch of different artists for a lot of my career and a lot of them are like indie artists and like rock artists from canada because you know that's those are the types of acts that get a lot of um, support mm. by, you know, the average Joe and also like financial support from the government. So that's kind of the, the world that a lot of people walk through. And I don't think a lot of people from those worlds understood what I was going for. Mm. <laughs> um, so to talk to people who understand where I'm coming from and understand what I was trying to do just feels so uh vindicating <laughs> so i'm very grateful thank you so much oh no problem thank you thank you for your your voice and your talent and 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 being able to put it in recorded form so that you know we can enjoy not just for a momentarily time but you know for for a long time you know so kyla i just have to say like this this album it gives me anticipation for what's next. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I don't mean to put the pressure on you because I know it took a while to put this out. <laughs> so if you can give a glimpse of what is coming next musically for you, um, do you care to share? Like, what, what's, what? How do you see yourself following up this project? I see myself following up this project with um, more music. I've got a couple of, of songs that I've written between the time, like this was written in 2020. Okay. Um, and I've written like a handful of songs since then. Uh, and there's more to come. I've got like an idea for a next project that um, I'm very excited about. So yeah, there's more on the way. There's more on the way. How soon are we saying before the year is up or next year? No pressure. It only like listen. If it comes out in the next two years, I'm good because this project is so awesome. I let it hold me. So you know, <laughs> till then. But um, you know, I'm just the, like I said, the music fan in me is only inclined to to know. Right? I'm interested. That's so sweet. Yeah. Definitely, definitely in the next year. Okay. We'll be doing new stuff. Yeah. Awesome. What about the uh, promotional rollout for Edible Flowers? How do you plan to see that? Are we going to see like more music videos, live performances, tours? What like what's what's the yeah? I mean, I'm totally open to whatever comes up. I'm I've got a couple of shows coming up in Toronto. Okay. Um, I don't think there's going to be any more music videos, but who knows? Remains to be seen. You never know what happens. Um, I think Hey Mama is going to be um, coming out on streaming as well. I wanted to keep a lot of basically the majority of the project on Bandcamp um, because it is such like a strange record. And I think that for the people who hear the singles on streaming platforms and are interested and want to see the whole project, they can come and find it on Bandcamp. Right. But it is literally a look into my mind and my heart and, uh, it's really kind of like I'm interested in sharing that with people who uh, are interested in hearing it. So that's in there. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful said. I was going to ask you about that. I was like, you know, <laughs> even though like I, I'm going to say it right now for all the people listening or watching, like go get this album on Bandcamp <laughs> because it's worth the purchase. Right. Um, Thank but you. I was just, I was also going to ask, like, would you, like, would you eventually release the project on streaming, like the entire project? That's a good question. Like, yeah. maybe in the future, eventually. But sure. for now, I am like a, um, an independent artist. I'm doing this all myself. Yeah. And in the future, if there is label support, um, I'm happy to, to change my mind. Right, but right, right. for now. <laughs> hey, I, I respect it and I appreciate it. And I'm going to say it again. I think this album is definitely worthy of the purchase on Bandcamp. Uh, thank you so much again, Kyla. It has been a pleasure chatting with you. I wish you all the best in success musically with this project and all the other dope stuff you got coming out. 
um, definitely keep me, you know, keep connected with me for new music that comes out because I, I would love to, um, you know, share it and, and, and put people onto it. Uh, Thank but you so it, much. Yeah, it was this a pleasure. So fun. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, before we get out of here, do you want to share with the folks listening where they can keep connected with you, like, you know, your social media, website, of course, Bandcamp? Yeah, Bandcamp, you can find me um, all places at Kyla Charter, kylacharter.com. I'm mostly on Instagram at kycharter. Um, that's K-Y-C-H-A-R-T-E-R. So come and say hi. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and I want to thank all of our listeners and viewers again for rocking with us. You know, remember, you can catch us at outtheboxmedia.com. That's the website there. You can also go to that website and subscribe for free just to be on our mailing list so you can we keep you updated with all things out the box from the out the box talk shows to the music reviews we do. I have another channel, Out the Box Media, where I do a lot of album and music reviews there as well. So, yeah, you know, um, I thank all of the viewers and listeners. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Stay connected with us. And um, we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you again to my guest, Kyla Charter. Thank you. you. (laughs) And we will see you next week for another episode. Peace, love, and light. Stay healthy, stay focused, stay safe. We out.